It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 584 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, it's the return of comics pro Ron Mars, who gives us an update on Resolution, which is being funded through Zoop.gg. It's described as an epic new tale by the masters of cosmic storytelling, presented as an oversized hardcover graphic novel. Ron talks about how he and Andy Lanning put the story together, the art team for the book, and what we can expect as far as getting the book into your hands soon. We talk about working with Zoop.gg as well as other projects that Ron is working on, so I'm sure you'll enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. A legendary member of an outer space core of heroes has withdrawn to a remote world in solitude, but her past catches up to her as her former comrades arrive to convince her to come back and bring a former arch nemesis to justice. That's the premise for Resolution. And uh, back to talk with me about that is Ron Mars. How you doing, Ron? I'm good, Wayne. Thanks for having me back. Good to talk with you. Um... Uh, it, uh, people who listen very faithfully to my podcast probably realize we've talked about this book before. So there's some new interesting things going on. Do, do you want to give a, 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 an update on what's happening with Resolution? Well, the, the biggest update is we're we're done with the damn thing. It's it's <laughs> taken a while to get to this point, but we're uh, we're literally uh, doing the final proofs this week, and uh, and we'll be sending it off to press shortly. Uh, so, it, you know, there were a lot of twists and turns in the journey, uh, uh, so, some some very unexpected, um, but we're we're done with it. The book is is complete and we're very happy with it. So I think that's the that's the biggest update. Um, the uh, the other update is that the you know, that originally Rick Leonardi was going to draw the whole thing for us um, and Rick had to bow out for various and sundry reasons. Um, so Rick did the cover and some of the interior art, but, uh, the majority of the interior is now drawn by, uh, an artist named Neto Diaz, who is, um, who is currently doing a, uh, a run on, uh, Predator for Marvel. And he's been in the X office for Marvel. So he's been doing a bunch of stuff for Marvel, uh, while he was, uh, getting resolution across the finish line for us. So um, Neto's done a terrific job uh, coming onto the project. Um, and then we also pulled in favors from a few other buddies for uh, for some flashback spreads in the book. In addition to Rick Leonardi, we've got uh, Tom Ranney, uh, Paul Pelletier, and Bart Sears contributing some really cool-looking visuals to the book as well. Uh, is there any... Images from Neto on the Zoop page, or um, how do we is there any sign of that? Yeah, there are. There's some stuff from Neto on the Zoop page, and within a day or two, actually, probably by the time um, this is available for people, um, 
we're going to be we're going to be loading up more. We're going to be loading up the lettered pages so that people can really get look at um, Neto stuff, um, which is being colored by uh, Prasad Rao, who's doing awesome stuff, um, and um, you know, and give give an even greater sense of the story that um, that's going on because we've got everything lettered now and uh, and it's done. It's complete. Well, that's good because even on the zoop.gg page, it says that you're in the final stages of lettering. So you haven't gotten past that. Yeah, the lettering's done. Uh, the lettering, I have, uh, I went through the lettering proof over the weekend, um, picked up, oh, I don't know, a dozen or so tweaks that we wanted to make and a couple of fixes. Um, and actually, when we're done recording this, Wayne, I have, uh, I have the next, I have the version two of the lettering proof. Um, then I'm going to go through and make sure everything got uh, got fixed uh, the way we wanted it to be by uh, our letterer Troy Petrie, and um, so in a few hours, uh, in a few hours for me and you, um, but mm-hmm. by the time everybody's listening to this, it'll be a few days ago. Um, the lettering will be finalized and put into the template so that uh, we can get the book ready for press. Well, that's great because. Uh... The last time you and I talked, it was uh, almost two years ago, and we were knee-deep in the pandemic at that point. So the fact that some things, and yours isn't the only project I know of that uh, got uh, ground to a screeching halt during the pandemic and stuff like that. Did the pandemic have something to do with it, or was it largely you know, the creative process and stuff like that and all the different people getting involved, sometimes that <laughs> that that makes things stop. What exactly happened as far as yeah, what it's, you it's you know creative process. Um, Rick's schedule was overburdened, and he couldn't really um, he couldn't really fit it in. And then you know, and then once we came to that conclusion, um, we had to cast about for okay, who's who's available to jump on this thing in in a in a generally short order in a in a fairly short amount of time um, because obviously you know, comic artists have their schedules sorted out, uh, sometimes years in advance. Um, I was talking to, um, I was talking to a buddy today who I should probably not name, but you know, his, his, uh, his art schedule is planned out for like the next three years. He knows what he's, you know, he knows what gigs he's got coming up for three years. Uh, right. So it was a, um, it was a process of, well, who, you know, who, who might be available to, to jump into this thing. And pick up the ball and run with it. And and thankfully, um, Neto was a guy that we had um, initially worked with on a Twilight Imperium graphic novel. Uh, Twilight Imperium, the the big uh, board game sensation. Uh, we did a Andy and I, Andy Lanning and I wrote um, a graphic novel uh, as part of what will what is um, a pre order. Um, campaign right now, uh, through Simon games. And, um, that was the first time we had worked with Neto. So we had a, we, you know, we ended up with a really good relationship. Um, and he was really terrific at drawing this, you know, big cosmic space opera stuff, spaceships and aliens and all, all of everything kind of in that, in that, um, family. And, you know, Neto seemed to be a pretty good choice for, uh, jumping into this thing. Um, but he was working on a couple of other projects, including getting his work going at Marvel. Um, he was, you know, Marvel sort of discovered 
this guy from Bazone said, "Oh, he's really good. We should get him. We should get him working." So he was juggling. So Netta was juggling um, resolution as well as a couple of different Marvel projects and a different uh, indie project uh, called uh, Golden Years from a uh, gentleman named Mike Katz that I did some editing work for. Um, so. I mean, ultimately in this business, everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, but Neto was was really into the concept. He was really into the designs that Rick had contributed. So um, so he was keen to get going on. And then it was just a matter of, you know, him being able to fit in schedules to his uh, or fit in pages into his schedule around everything else. Um, and also he had a, you know, he had a fairly significant bout with COVID during the whole time, too. Oh, well, we all did that, I think. I, I had it for about, right about a year ago, I think I got it. And I, got, I kept getting told that if I got the shots, I wouldn't get the the thing. Yeah, a fat chance on that one. I, I ended up with it. It took about a week and a half for it to go away. And then finally, of course, I was taking meds like crazy. And I had taken the shots and everything. So I was just, well, so I'm not surprised a lot of projects got held up. And then, of course, we had all the paper uh printing problems that was has been going on as well yeah i know that um that affected a lot of projects um and you know it, during the, the early days of the pandemic you know some projects that i was you know either involved in as a consultant or an editor um you know some of those projects just ended up sitting for weeks and even months because there was no paper available to print the things right um, and from and from my you know from my knowledge now the supply chain is is not you know is not perfect by any means. Um, if you if you need to get your book printed, you can get it printed, but sometimes uh, sometimes you have to go to the back of the uh, back of the line and wait for a couple months until uh, until your paper uh, your your paper stock is going to be available again. So I I know of a, I know of a few books that. Um, uh, have been have been ready and waiting and sitting there, and uh, they just have to wait their turn now because all of the print houses are backed up. So hopefully that won't be the case for resolution. And um, as soon as we do get it off to the printers, we can get a fairly quick turnaround. Is it being printed here in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Um, the, you know, it's always a it's always a question of printing in the U.S. means um, means there's obviously much less of a shipping time. Uh, to get the books to wherever your fulfillment services are going to be, um, okay. but the other, you know, the other side of that coin is it's more expensive to print in the U.S. You can you can print in China or Korea for considerably less, but then you 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 literally have to wait for the slow boat to bring you your product and uh, get into the West Coast and then be shipped to where you need it to be. Boy, that's true. I've, I've talked to a lot of creators who kept saying it's on a boat from China, and that when is. Get- yeah, it's the, the the slow boat from China is not just a uh, is not just a catchphrase. It's it's where a lot of collections actually come from. And I'm afraid some of them are still sitting on those slow boats from China. That's the, that's the bad news as far as that goes. But uh, but the good news is is that we're we're finally slowly getting through it as we just kind of work on. So um, let's talk a little bit about the book because it may be a, it's been a while since we've discussed it. And maybe some things have changed besides uh, Neto. I do get a kick that you took Neto. Uh, you got a Marvel artist to work for you. Usually it's the other way around. Usually you have a good artist and they go to Marvel and then you've got to find somebody else. But this is a, a case where the opposite is true, which is a nice thing to hear once in a while. 
So that, that's a good thing. But as far my, my remembrance is this is an 80 page uh, oversized book. And it's going to have uh, the, the story in there. And it's, according to what the Zoop.gg page says, it's going to be pinups by Liam Sharp, Phil Jimenez, uh, Paul Pelletier, who I particularly like, Ron Liam, Bart Sears, Jeff Johnson, and others. And so that, that's going to be nice to have that, that book. Now, the, the one I think that I ordered was a hardcover. So I'm particularly looking forward to getting this. I love a, I love a long book that I can sit down and, and get lost in for a while. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, are there, you know, besides obviously the artwork's going to be a little different than what you expected originally. Are there other changes? I mean, did you make story changes while you had the chance? Uh, what kind of things happened as well as changing uh, the artwork to Neto? No real, um, no real story, story changes. Um, Neto's storytelling is a little different from Rick's. So maybe, you know, we, maybe we wrote a five panel page and when we got it back from Neto, it was a seven panel page. Um, just, you know, just minor stuff like that, but that's part of the process on, on any book you do really. So, um, so we, uh, you know, we really didn't sit down and rethink anything. Um, we just, uh, you know, we just reacted to what Neto was doing as the pages came in. Um, and we got, uh, you know, we got, as I said, we got um, Paul Pelletier, Bart Sears, um, Tom Ranney to come in and do some flashback spreads because the story is set up to uh, give some, give a little bit of a look into the past at certain intervals. Um, so we thought, well, let's, you know, let's call in some favors from friends and, uh, and bring kind of an all-star cast to, um, to what we've got, uh, in the book. Um, and that extends to the, to the pinups as well, which will be part of a portfolio that's part of the campaign. Um, as well as, uh, we'll use some of the, some of that artwork, uh, in the, in the back of the regular book. And they, there's a companion kind of making of book too. So we'll, we'll get some of the process material into both of those books and kind of give people a peek behind the curtain. Okay. Now I, I've always got a couple of questions. I think somebody didn't hear the last time we talked. Um, I, I, it's interesting to me that it's called resolution. Uh, and of course you're talking about the fact that there's an arch nemesis coming back. Is it called resolution because this is going to uh, conclude the story between the main character and the arch nemesis? Well, it will, um, uh, it, there will be elements of resolution to the story. Um, certainly I don't want to give anything away, but, um, the other reason that it's called resolution is that our, um, our troop of, uh, galactic heroes, um, the closest analogy that people are familiar with is probably the Green Lantern Corps or the Nova Corps. Um, our, our intergalactic heroes, um, are called the Resolute. Um, so the, uh, the title resolution comes, uh, comes in large part, uh, from that, from, uh, our heroes being called the resolute and, um, they are for all intents and purposes, kind of an intergalactic peacekeeping force, um, that are, um, that are powered and controlled by, uh, by a race of, uh, they might be aliens. They might be gods. They are the, um, the lone survivors of a, uh, of a parallel universe uh, that have come into this universe and seem to be, um, 
seem to be beneficial, seem to be benefactors for uh, for the entirety of the universe. But that's part of the backstory we get into as well. Now, the the main character, and I think you and I talked about this previously, but it still interests me, is a woman, which a lot of these galactic uh, stories usually focus on male characters, Silver Surfer, Green Lantern. Of course, Green Lantern Corps has some female characters in it, too. But I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated uh, when a woman is center stage, because as, I, as I've told many people, the, the male characters, I have a fair idea what's going to happen. When a female character is in the lead, I have no idea what you have in store for us, which I like. <laughs> I don't like to know what's going to happen. I, so many times I've read stories and there's a guy and it's the beginning and I'm going, well, yeah, okay. And it wraps up the way I expect, but I, I don't have any idea how you're going to do that. So uh, we may be going over a little of old ground, but why did you choose a female for the lead character in this book? Um, I, ultimately, I think Andy and I felt like she would be more interesting. Um, that that emotionally um, and intellectually, that uh, a female in this role and in this in this role, which is has traditionally been kind of a male story that has been told. Um, right. Oh, yeah. Things like um, the Wild Bunch and Unforgiven, where you know male heroes, male gunfighters um, who are kind of past their prime, a little the you know, the over the hill gang rides again. Um, those stories have to, to large extent been uh, male oriented. So we mm-hmm. wanted to, we wanted to view that kind of story through the lens of a, of a female lead character. Um, and, and honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion between Andy and I about that decision, we both kind of went, yeah, this would be cool with a woman. And, you know, that was, that was really the last we discussed it. Um, so, uh, we, we felt like we wanted to, you know, we wanted to explore that, um, that sort of, uh, milieu that has not been explored as much with a female lead. Oh, believe me, I'm looking forward to that because that's exactly the way I, I, I look at it is that, like I said, I, I mean, men can be certain characters, and, and I've, I've seen those explored in depth for decades now. <laughs> so to see a female character, what's her name, by the way? Her name is Zan Maddox, um, and she is she is not from Earth. Uh, she is human for all intents and purposes. She looks, she looks just like us. Um, but Earth does not play a part in this story. This is... Uh, uh, this is, you know, essentially, um, you know, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, <laughs> we're, um, we're, we have, you know, humanoid characters, but we're not dealing with, uh, with earth in any way. Okay. So we're dealing with other, are these new planets then that you've created? Yeah. We, uh, you know, we, we have the luxury of making everything up. Um, so this is a, you know, this is a new universe, a new, um, uh, a new storytelling, uh, playground for us. Uh, so we've, we've basically made up everything. It's not connected in any way to any other, um, to any other, uh, you know, cosmic, uh, setting out there. Uh, obviously Andy and I have played with all of that stuff, both Marvel, DC, 
um, Star Wars. Um, we have we have been able to play with all of those toys. Um, so we we got the um, you know we have the distinct pleasure of being able to make up our own uh, uh, our own cosmos this time. Was that fun for you guys after playing in other people's sandboxes? Um, sure, but you know I I don't actually find it terribly different than um than making up your own stuff obviously when you play in other people's sandboxes you have um you have a great deal of continuity and history and all that stuff to draw from um which which can be a you know which can very much be a boon you have all of these toys on the shelf that you can play with um but when you make up your own thing um you're not tied to anything there aren't any rules so um so we we made up our own rules and we can decide to break them whenever we feel like it. Okay. And, uh, um, as far as like the future, uh, is there a chance for a resolution too, or, uh, are you going to kind of stick to one book? Oh, I think, you know, I think, um, we're very much leaving the, uh, the book open-ended because we'd love to come back and do another one. We'd love to come back and, and do, a second chapter to bring the story even further down the road. Um, hopefully this one is um, uh, satisfying in and of itself, but, uh, but we'd love you to, we'd love to have you come back and, and, you know, come back for more. Cause I, I I'm a little X-Men out. I have to say, I, 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 for a while I had a roommate whose name was Scott and he wanted to read, x-men books because of scott summers and so i bought the books for a while and i tried to get into it but i I had been a decade or two out of the stories and people kept telling me you have to buy all the books and read all the stuff for decades to know what's going on in this book and i and when he finally got bored i said well that's it we're out (laughs) and so i I think you know sometimes the you know the continuity and all of you know all of that stuff that comes with Long-standing franchise is a is a knife that cuts both ways. Um, it's it's a wonderful playground, but um, it eventually becomes pretty top-heavy, um, and it becomes, uh, I think, an impediment to bringing new readers in. Um, it's it's great for the for the faithful who have been there for years or even decades, um, but there if if you don't give the audience an entry point and kind of a a simplified way into to the story that you're telling, it becomes, um, it becomes a barrier. It becomes, uh, very much a gatekeeping situation. And I'm, I'm not enthused about that kind of stuff at all. So, um, so doing this, um, obviously it's a ground floor read. You need to know nothing before you come into it. Everything you need to know is within the story. Oh, good. Well, that'll be nice to read. That'll be something different as far as comics goes. Now, one thing we didn't mention, I think it's important to mention, I always forget because I get involved in the story and I want to know all the background stuff, is that this is, as we said, this open for two weeks. Uh, the way that I understand that, it's going to be the 24th of April that this is going to wrap up, or is that is there a change to that? I think no. I think that sounds right. It's, you know, we, we initially uh, had the campaign up on Zoop, uh, quite a while ago, and it's taken us this long to get the book done. Um, and as I said, I we're you know we're not we're not pleased that it took this long, but we're very pleased with the finished product that we have. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully our our patient audience will feel like it's worth the wait. Um, however, if uh, if you 
if you didn't get a chance to get in on the campaign in the first uh, in the first go round, we've got a couple of weeks where it's uh, back up and open, and um, you will be able to pledge for the pledge for the book and get it in a fairly quick turnaround. That'll be nice. That'll be something nice to see. Now, uh, the thing that's interesting to me, of course, you met your goal originally. Uh, there was an original goal of 18000 and you were beyond that. So it was a done deal that this was going to get made. But like we said, real life gets in the way of comics, and sometimes there's, it doesn't come out uh, on the schedule you hope for. But, uh, uh, I mean, what... This, of course, uh, this is one of the very first projects I ever backed on Zoop, if not the first. And so I'm kind of curious, now that you've worked with Zoop for a while, and I don't expect you to say what horrible, terrible people they are, what was, what's it been like to work with them? Because you, I think, were one of the very, like I said, one of the initial projects that I ever ran into at Zoop.gg. So, uh, you know, all the roadblocks and stuff that it hit, what's it been like working with them? No, they've been they've been really a pleasure to work with. I mean, I knew um, I knew Jordan uh, from Zoop uh, before there was a Zoop. I mean, we we had um, we had been friends and had sort of looked at different projects to work together and had never really kind of um, come together. But when he came to me and said, "Hey, I'm starting this new thing and it's it's you know it's it's crowdfunding, but it's comics specific, it's comics oriented, and you know our 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 vision for this thing is to be kind of a uh, comics crowdfunding service um, that is basically a concierge service where the creators are um, putting their time in creating the material and Zoop handles the rest of it. Zoop handles the campaign and the campaign page and the printing and fulfillment. And they, they take care of all that stuff that, you know, that we creators are not generally um, terribly suited for. So, uh, so they handle, they handle the logistics. We handle the creation and, um, you know, hopefully, uh, it all goes smoothly from this point on. Um, we're, we're happy to have those guys handling the, um, you know, handling the infrastructure stuff that, uh, that, you know, frankly, none of us on the team are really well-versed in, in doing. Um, I know from, um, being involved in, previous Kickstarters as, you know, an advisor or an editor or even a writer on different projects. Um, I, um, you know, I know that Kickstarter is not a, um, uh, not a free money kind of situation. It's not like you just, you know, you, you put your, you know, you, you put your campaign up and then money just drops out of the sky. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an, it's a lot of work to get it to the point where you're ready to launch. And then once you're launched, it's an everyday kind of process of, of fluffing that campaign and getting it in front of as many people as possible. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, then once the thing funds, uh, then the real work begins of finishing the project getting the thing printed, uh, getting it fulfilled. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, my particular expertise is not in, um, you know, packing boxes and taking them off to the, to the post office and doing all that kind of stuff. I would much rather be sitting here, um, writing the next project. So, uh, so I think this should be a, you know, this should be a, a good way for us to, to do our project, to, um, to have the project done, 
um, in exactly the way we want to do it, but not have to handle the um, the grunt work of actually making the project come together. So what's going to happen next is the books are going to get printed. Are they going to get delivered to you guys? Are they going to go to Zoop? What's going to happen next? Uh, Zoop is going to handle the, you know, handle uh, the fulfillment with a fulfillment company. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, I will just wait anxiously out by my mailbox for some, for some books to show up. Um, and, uh, you know, I have the, I have the pleasure of doing the unboxing and um, uh, I don't have to worry about the rest of it. Well, that's a nice change of pace because I've helped people with the Kickstarters and uh, we've had boxes and boxes going into cars and vans trying to get them to the post office. And then, of course, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a it's a heavy lift. It's a it's a lot of um, it's a lot of work that doesn't have anything to do with making comics. Um, And it's it's necessary work. And I really admire the creators who can do both ends of that spectrum, who who can um, fulfill both ends of the equation. I just don't think I'm one of them. Oh, that, of course, that leads to the next question. Um, do you have any other projects in mind that you might bring to Zoop after this gets fulfilled? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's always, um, I, I think you could, you know, you could ask that of just damn near any creator. And we're always going to say, oh, yeah, I've got ideas. You know, there's, there's always <laughs> another project. There's always a, there's always a shopping list of projects you want to get to. Um, and it's, it's really a matter of, you know, how many hours in the day do you have and how much time do you have to, to actually make, you know, the idea in your head a reality. And I think that's, that's the position that Andy and I are in right now. And, you know, everybody else that's involved in the project too. Uh, you know, Neto's drawing Predator for Marvel right now. Um, you know, Andy's got a bunch of stuff going on. Andy and I are working on a few other projects together. Um, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, uh, Warlock for Marvel right now, um, and I'm working on uh, the Diablo video game franchise. So, um, you know, so it's not it's not like I, any of us are sitting around twiddling our thumbs, wondering what we're going to do next. We're 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 well and fully occupied, and it's a matter of figuring out how to uh, how to make enough time in the schedule to do the next thing. Okay, because that leads to the next question is and. Uh, we talked about this before, but it's always good to update. Uh, as far as social media goes, and people want to keep up with what you're up to, how do they do that? Um, I'm still on Twitter. I haven't, you know, I haven't fled the platform despite the uh, the best efforts of Elon Musk. Um, so I'm still on Twitter, which is just at Ron Mars. Um, my website is uh, ronmars.com, which has been uh, which has been relaunched and refurbished and uh, given a uh, Given a fresh coat of paint, thanks to uh, thanks to my webmaster uh, Truman Esmond, who uh, has done a really uh, gone above and beyond to get things uh, get things spruced up. Um, so uh, I'm I'm on Instagram as well, but I don't tend to that one as much as I should. Um, so for now, Twitter is still the main one, and hopefully it doesn't uh, uh, turn into a bonfire. But uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I, I, you know, there was a bunch of uh, apps that everybody wanted everybody else to jump onto, and I jumped onto them all, and most of them have crashed and burned on me, and so I'm kind of like, what was I doing on these apps and stuff? So I, I'm always kind of going like, wow, I, I, I spent all that time 
One of them was Mastodon. I went on there and every, I, I tried to go on there still and post stuff, but it disappears. So I'm like, well, I, I still do stuff on Hive, but I don't see a lot of other people out there. And so there's all those kind of things going on. But yeah, I, I think, the, you know, the general panic of, of you know, the Twitter, you know, falling apart and shutting down um, was obviously overblown and overhyped. And I didn't bother to... Um, sign up on Hive or Mastodon or any of the others um, for now, because, you know, frankly, you know, I have, I have a healthy bunch of followers and people that I, you know, people that I am really grateful for that, you know, and having cultivated an audience there over, um, over the, uh, over the years, over more than a decade, I guess. Um, So I'll, you know, I'll stick it out to the bitter end. If the, you know, if the, uh, if the new owner of Twitter happens to be a jerk, you know, I was here before he was, so he's not going to chase me off. So you don't need a blue check mark. Um, I have a blue check mark. Um, oh, okay. whether mind. I keep a blue check mark is, I guess, up to Twitter, but I'm sure as hell not paying eight bucks a month for it. Okay. Now, I first met you at a, a comic convention, and that now that the, we're coming out the other side of the pandemic, I actually went to one of my very first comic cons in a while, uh, MegaCon here in, in Central Florida. And I'm just kind of curious: Are you thinking about uh, getting back into the convention circuit, or is that kind of something you're avoiding still? Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty much back on the circuit and. Um, and really I was to, to a fairly great extent last year, I did a, you know, I did a number of shows and, and came through all of them, uh, fairly healthy. I, I picked up, uh, I picked up my dose of COVID, um, at one of the shows, but you know, I was through it in a few days and it wasn't too bad. Um, very thankful for that. So, um, so I've, I've already done my first show of the year, um, which was Akron, Ohio. I had never been to Akron, Ohio. So that was, uh, that was new and different. Um, and this coming weekend, uh, I'll be at, uh, big lick comic con in Dulles, um, just outside of Washington, DC. And then in, uh, in May I'll be in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. And, uh, then the rest of the, the rest of my convention schedule is pretty filled out for the year. Um, you know, one or maybe two shows a month, depending on, you know, what I could squeeze in. Uh, and all of those appearances are on my Twitter page and, or at least the ones that have been announced so far are on my, on my pin to my Twitter page. And they're also on my website. So, um, I, uh, you know, I like doing the conventions. Um, uh, you know, I look, I know there are some artists out there who are, are essentially at a show every weekend and that would be, to me, that would be a really miserable grind to have to be away from home every weekend and to um, to 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 go through that grind, um, you know, just on such a regular basis. But you know, one or two shows a month uh, kind of you know allows you to get out, see a different part of the country, see a different part of the world if you're you know going across borders, um, and you know, meet a uh, meet a chunk of the audience that you would never have a chance to meet otherwise. 
are there cons that you prefer to go to every year? I mean, because some I like to go to New York. New York Comic Con is my favorite, and I like to go there. There's also I've been to San Diego several times. I've also enjoyed. I've only been there once, but I really enjoyed Dragon Con in Atlanta. And there's a bunch of them that. I like to go to, and I, I don't get to go to them as much as I used to. Are there ones that – do you get invited? Is that how you get to go to these cons, or what happens? Yeah, I get invited, and I have a I have a convention representative who ends up, you know, sort of doing the deal and booking the shows and taking care of all the logistics of that, which is um, Jim McLaughlin uh, and uh, – Seven Lafayette Speakers Bureau is the uh, is the agency that I go through, um, and you know it's great to have somebody that that you know either I can say hey can you see if you can get me into um, Alaska in this instance, and <laughs> Jim makes that happen, or more often than not you know the the shows contact him and say you know hey would would you know he's got a a dozen or fifteen different creators that are part of his. Uh, part of his stable and, you know, shows, shows contact him and say, we want this guy, this guy, and this guy. Um, so it's a, uh, it's, it's a much less um, uh, time invasive process now with somebody that handles booking the shows uh, for me than it was before when you had to sort of handle all of those logistics yourself. Um, so I, uh, I tend not to do um do the same shows year in and year out. Uh, I think it's good to sort of rotate the uh, rotate the appearances so that you're not um, you're not seen as uh, oh you know guy's been here three years in a row. What is he doing back? Um, the the exception for th- the exception for that for me is usually the Baltimore show. I go to Baltimore um, most years because it's such a pure comic show that I uh, um, you know I really uh, I really enjoy going back there. Um, I, I'm friendly with, uh, Mark Nathan who owns the Baltimore show. And, um, that's, that's very much like a family reunion every year. Oh, cool. Cause those kind of things are lots of fun. I used to live in that area. And so I would go to Baltimore every year. I, I don't get to it as much since I live in Florida, but, uh, Baltimore is a good con. I do have to say, but my favorites are still New York. And then I, Dragon Con impressed me the one year I was there. San Diego is great, but I, I have to exercise. I have to walk and walk and walk so I could walk all the way downtown San Diego. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's the, the, the big, the big shows are, you know, I don't want to say an ordeal, but the big shows are, are very much a, um, uh, very much a, uh, you know, they're very much work. You gotta, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of in the belly of the beast for a few days. Um, so I, I tend to, you know, try to, um, vary up the, uh, vary up the, the appearances, you know, some of the more regional shows and then some of the bigger ones. Um, and, and hopefully, um, you know, international shows are, are, uh, are a real pleasure, um, when you can get out to them, uh, that being able to have, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to, you know, South Africa and Kenya and India, New Zealand, uh, wow. Uruguay, um, Malta, just, you know, just a, bunch of places around the world um because i write comics I, that's you know that's still kind of staggering to me um that that i get those opportunities because i you know make up stories uh, uh you know i put words with pictures um so i am forever forever grateful for all of those opportunities that have uh, that have come up 
any place you'd still like to go to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to go back to Luca in Italy. I think that's probably the best show that I've ever been to. Um, I would like to get to Angoulême in France, um, some year. Um, but really in terms of international shows, there's, um, uh, there's no place I wouldn't go. Uh, there, there are shows just, you know, all across Europe, South America, um, La Mole in Mexico City is a great show. Um, so, you know, anytime I get to use my passport and go to a show, I'm all for it. Okay. <laughs> really great. I'm just happy to go to New York because that's kind of a, a big thing for me. I like to go to New York because there's so much and so many people there. That I get, to, I, they even sell those glasses that they used to sell in in Seven Eleven with the superheroes on them and stuff like that. That's the only place yeah, I ever go. To. I see that anymore. So it's um, you know, obviously I, I'm uh, I'm in upstate New York, so I've uh, I've grown up uh, fairly close to New York City my whole life. So New York is uh, New York is very much a uh, you know place that I've been since I was you know place that I've been going since I was a teenager. Uh, so, um, as far, you know, and I, and I love New York today, I love Manhattan. Um, so, uh, it's, uh, you know, I often, if I end up at New York comic-con, I, I always feel like, man, I, you know, I'd rather be here with no comic-con cause there's so much else to do in New York. <laughs> cause that, that's the one thing that's funny for me. The one time I was there, I was walking down one of the main streets and I noticed that the price of the slice of pizza kept changing from block to block first one was a dollar and next one was two dollars the next one was three dollars and four dollars and five dollars and i was there last year and they've got the new um marijuana stores there now of course i don't partake of that but i got a huge kick when you know when we would walk by a bunch of us would walk by and uh, people would kind of look in there sort of quizzically but we wouldn't ever talk about it so i got a kick out of that very new york way to do those kinds of things so i i I get a kick out of all that stuff but uh, it's just a lot of fun to go to these conventions and to get i'm I'm glad to have them back believe me because i really missed being able to get out there and and uh meet new people and do new things and uh go to well it's um you know it's it's very much like well like i said it's like a family reunion um for both the fans and the creators and and everybody else this is you know sort of the the gathering of our tribe and it takes place every weekend somewhere in the country Mm -hmm. and it's funny because you know um i i was taking a i was going through a management course for for a, a paper that i was working at newspaper and everybody came out and was like, wow, this was like a crazy, I've never been in an experience like that before. And I kept saying, gee, I do this like once a month. Like I can go to comic cons and Star Trek cons and all those kinds of things. So I, this is nothing unusual for me, but they were all going like, wow, this is different. So I got a huge kick out of that, but uh, that's, that's, yeah, nice well, our, you know, our, uh, our nerd culture is now mainstream culture. <laughs> too true. Too true. The rest of the rest of the world's caught up with us. That, that, that's right. I get, I get a kick out of that. So anyway, the book, again, is Resolution. It's going to conclude, uh, as, as I understand right now, on the 24th. I'm uh, never exactly sure what time. That's the only thing about Zoop. that I uh, Kickstarter, I can tell you what time of day it's going to end. But with Zoop, I'm never quite sure. So you don't want to wait until the 24th. Be sure to get out there as soon as you hear this interview. And go to zoop.gg forward slash C as in cat forward slash resolution. 
And be sure to get in there. There's, uh, you know, you've already got uh, your goal met, but that's uh, that's uh, uh, a good encouragement for people to jump on and to partake, uh, partake of all these good things and see all the great books that you've got out there. Of course, I like I said, I, I backed the, uh, uh, the the oversized hardcover graphic novel one. That was the one that I wanted. So I, I'm, I'm ready for that. Whenever it's ready, I'm ready. So those are going to be good things. So. Ron, it's great to catch catch up with you, and it's great to see that this thing moving forward. And I'm gonna be fascinated to see when this book comes out. It's gonna be lots of fun to read. So you know, and with all your other projects and good things, maybe I'll bump into you at a con sometime, and it'll be fun to to see how you're doing. Sounds good. I'll be around, and I appreciate you having me back, Wayne. Uh, always a pleasure. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's it for this week. Be back next time when we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.